Welcome to Genius Leadership Podcast, where we discuss how to overcome everything as a leader. I'm your host, Anna Liebel, a mind shifter, helping male leaders in tech get out of the firefighting mode, become the proactive leaders they want to be, and enjoy the ride as they go. Join me every week for honest, insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders. We discuss their roller coaster ride of leading from their zone of genius and when they don't. If you find this show valuable, please subscribe and share it so that more of us can live a healthier and happier life. Now, let's get into the episode. Hey, Genius Leader, welcome to the show. And I hope that you'll stay with me for the whole duration of it because I'm talking about a life changing habit. And I mean it. I really mean that this habit has changed my life. It's changed the lives of my clients and a lot of people I see in the space. So I do want to share all my insights and a lot of different uh, do's and don'ts and whatever to help you get on track with that habit and really leverage it to your benefit so that you too can enjoy a more proactive, more conscious, intentional life that you enjoy. So. Before we go into the topic, just want to explain a bit about my voice. I haven't been partying hard. Yes, I've traveled last week and enjoyed catching up with a couple of friends uh, and doing some paperwork at the same time. But yeah, the spring in Europe can be a bit tricky. I felt like, yeah, coming from Iceland to the mainland part, it was much warmer, but it was not really. So taking off the hat and walking around the city for hours, day in and day out, several days in a row. Uh, was probably not the smartest thing. <laughs> Somehow that really kicked it for me. But well, just uh, keep rolling <laughs> with what we have. I feel much better than what I sound. And I hope that my voice will stay with me uh, for this episode because I do want to record it and release it on time so that you can uh, start practicing this habit. So what is the habit? It's journaling. And I know you might have been waiting for three simple steps to change your life in two days or whatever. But, you know, I'm not here for a quick fixes. I'm here to support you on a long journey and make it this journey more fun, more sustainable, so that you can actually continue on it and see the results and get the, the harvest, those beautiful fruits of your work. So this is the same thing with journaling and this is a habit that truly has changed the life of mine and my clients and some other people I know, but it does come gradually. It's not a rev revolutionary thing. That's the evolution. And that is actually the beauty of it. And I want to sell this idea to you today is that the beauty of journaling is in the process and, the, and in seeing the change in you and your life that is very gradual. So I'll start by talking about what journaling is. Some, I'll cover some answers to the most frequently asked questions and address some of the concerns that people have about the journaling habits. And then I'll name a couple of my favorite prompts, maybe explaining a bit of them. Uh, and I haven't decided which ones I will discuss. I just have a list in front of me. And talking about list, this is something that you can get. I'll put a, li a link in the show notes. It's no registration. I don't need your email or so. I'm just uploading it in the cloud and you can grab your um, PDF version of it or copy of it. Now, it's a several page PDF file with some information about journaling, what it is, but then mainly it is 15 prompts that you can use. 
that I've been, I've been using on and off on different occasions and different phases of my life. And I, I see it really as the uh, buffet for myself from which I pick up things. You know, I do have my basics, some things that I use on a daily basis in my journaling practice, but that has also changed over the years. So for some years, it's been some prompts and then I would maybe let some, leave some out and uh, change the other and add the third one and so on and so forth. So it is a journey, as I said, and that's the beauty of it. You're never done with it, but that's the amazing part. <laughs> you get to change things. It doesn't have to be cut in stone. You just get to pick what feels right and necessary for yourself. And it's a beautiful time for that reflection of what do you actually need. So talking about the need and reflection time, this is something that I do see as the very beautiful part of journaling, that you create space for yourself to sit down with your thoughts and your feelings and actually look at that. How do I feel right now? What is going on within myself? Where would I need help? And so on and so forth. You start analyzing yourself. You start growing that self-awareness and self-consciousness that really help you in your life, in your daily life. I compare it a bit to yoga. You know, the hardcore yogis usually say that true yoga happens outside of mat. And what you do as a practice, as a physical practice or spiritual practice on your yoga mat is the preparation for that. This is what journaling is for me to life and to proactive and intentional living. It creates some space for me to practice the things that I want to live through on a daily basis. I usually explain that that really helps the self-leadership part of growing that space between the first thoughts or the impulses and your action or your second thought. So I gave an example in... in, um, in a content recently on LinkedIn of a client of mine who was sharing with me that he was criticizing himself and he was beating himself up because he contemplated violence. So to explain a bit in very general terms, he had a very stressful situation in his company where the contract, or not the contractor, the client with whom he, he signed up to work was disrespecting the contractual agreement it got to a nasty uh, spot where my client and his company and his employees were uh, really losing a lot of time and money and couldn't go into other projects and so on and so forth. So they got to involve legal on both sides. Uh, it was really about big amounts of money talking. And my client said to me, my old self came up and I contemplated violence. So. In his young times, this client of mine would maybe come and, uh, you know, solve some problems with fists or at least with some threats of physical um, intervention and stuff like that. But he's changed a lot. That was several decades ago. And he was so thrown or punched in the face almost by himself, feeling like, why the hell am I thinking that way? I should be better than that and so on. And as I said, he started beating himself up. But I emphasize that through our work and, and the work he has done between our sessions in the last one and a half years that we've worked at that moment, he has grown that self-awareness of what that best version of himself looks like and how he wants to be as a human in, in this world. And he created the space in his mental uh, headspace 
to actually compare. Okay, I'm thinking, I have this impulse or this first thought of just going there with my fists and just, you know, smack a couple of faces. There was a space between that impulse and thinking, do I really want to be like that? Is that the leadership I want to show to my company, my employees? Is it really serving me? He had the space to ask all those questions before he acted upon that first impulse. And that is what self-leadership is about. It's not about being a machine and never having any anger, annoyance, irritation, or those nasty thoughts of uh, like beating up someone's face. You're human. And if you have developed your self-leadership, then those first emotions and thoughts do not define who you are and how you act. And this is what we're nurturing with the journaling habit. By sitting down and reflecting and getting the time for ourselves to to compare what we're doing or how we're feeling with what we want to do, how we want to be and how we want to feel, that strengthens the correct neural uh, wiring in in your head so that next time the situation comes, your brain has a better scenario to act from. And the more you reflect, the more you write down things of how you want to be and who you want to be, the easier it is for your brain to pick up those actions because those neural connections are stronger. And that is what we're developing with the journaling habit. So I'll address a couple of things that people usually ask me about when it comes to journaling and what stops them from starting or where they fall off the horse and never get back on. First one is there is no right or wrong way to do it. There is your way and not your way. And I'll give you a couple of suggestions of what I would try to do or what the science suggests is the most powerful way to do it and so on and so forth. But I also want to emphasize that you always need to take that with a pinch of salt and more with a filter of how do I feel? How does this resonate with me? Does it really work for me with my style, my personality, with the life situation I have right now, and so on and so forth. And I'll be giving my examples of how that has been changing for me, for, for example. What I want to do here and to emphasize here is normalizing that it's okay to look for your way in building that habit of journaling. It's okay to change your mind (laughs) and maybe deciding on one way of doing it and then uh, realizing that it doesn't work and then doing it differently, but continuing to do it. So this is the very important part that I really want to emphasize. There is no right or wrong way to do journaling. There is your way and there is not your way. And I want you to find the way that is yours so that you can truly build a sustainable habit that will stay with you for years. Second thing that a lot of people are asking me about is whether it's okay to do it digitally or whether it has to be pen and paper. I'm a big believer in pen and paper because that is really strengthening the neural connections in the right way because you're engaging your motorics in a a more multidimensional way, so to say, than uh, tapping with your fingers on the keyboard or on your screen of the phone. But again, going back to the first thing that I wanted to emphasize, There is no right or wrong way. And the only wrong thing is to do is to set the wrong expectations for yourself and the wrong way of doing it and never doing it because of that. So if you feel like you absolutely despise pen and paper, 
and you could not imagine doing that, then I'd rather you do it on your phone or on your computer so that you get to, that, uh, get to, to do it and, and to practice it and so on. Rather than thinking, okay, it has to be on a physical journal, on paper, with a pen. So screw it, I'm not going to do it. So here is my answer here. I prefer analog. Science prefers analog. But if analog is not going to happen and it's not going to do it for you, then please do digital so that it does happen and so that you have a chance of building a habit. And talking about that, I'll actually link to a couple of resources of different journal things that I, I would like you to check out and maybe try. So I'm usually using the uh, diaries from uh, Leuchtturm 1917. It's a German, I believe, company. I really like the paper in their workbook or notebooks, and they don't wear out. The covers come in bright colors. You usually find them in the duty-free shops in the, in the airports and also in many of the bookstores. I have a whole collection of all different colors. Uh, through these years and I just really like them. I, I, they travel with me a lot. They go with me on a daily basis if I haven't finished my journaling uh, during the day. So I, uh, I see that they don't wear out. So the cover still looks fresh and new even when I'm done with the, those 120 pages of the book. And they are coming with the rubber band and that one also doesn't stretch. Again, you hear that I'm a nerd of that and I've been doing it for, for over 10 years now. So I've tried a lot of different things and I know what really makes me enjoy this moment of opening that uh, notebook and writing in it and then closing it and seeing it as a bright bright spot on my desktop or at my coffee table or anything like that. So I'll drop a link to Leuchtturm just in case you want, if you want to check out those books. I will also link The Diary by Stephen Bartlett. He launched it late last year. And this is a uh, journal, it's a paper journal that you fill out, but it also follows with an app where you get prompts, you get questions, and you also are asked how your journal practice was. And based on your replies to that, the journal kind of coaches you back. So they have some AI that defines what to show you and how to help you. And for 12 weeks, I believe that program is, you get to work on those different areas of your life with the recordings of the mm, different coaches and real established, well-established experts on different areas of your life, like financial, romantic relationships, business, whatever it is. So um, check it out. Maybe it's something for you. Maybe you enjoy the diary and um, that will help you to get into that habit. And last thing I wanted to mention here is the Remarkable. That's the device, uh, a tablet with the digital ink or whatever you call it. I don't own one myself. I'm, mm, I have been con- contemplating it for two or three years now, but I still haven't bought it because I tend to crash my things and I don't want to break this remarkable. So I'm still not sure and maybe sometime I'll buy it, but uh, it could be a very good midway between the real paper journal and something digital because you can uh, do the motorics of writing with your hand, but then you can digitize it and store it in the cloud if that's what you prefer and so on. So those are the things that I wanted to mention about analog versus digital. And let me take a sip of water before we go to the next part, which is when should I journal? Should it be first thing in the morning? Should it be during the day? Should it be last thing in the evening before I go to bed? 
And here I again want to emphasize there is no right and wrong right way. There is a way that fits you and not. Again, if you want to, if you believe that you ha- or you have read somewhere that science shows that it's most effective just before you fall asleep, because then you just prompt your mind and then the subconscious works while you're sleeping and the next day you, you come uh, to the world in which much, much, much smarter solutions and so on. Um, true, but again, if you're way too tired in the evening and you know that it's not going to happen for you, then I'd rather you move it around in your day so that it does happen and you get a chance to build a habit. I know I sound like a bit like a broken record, not only with my voice, but also with the messaging here, but you get the gist. I want to make it easier for you to build that habit. So I have been doing it for years in the evening, last thing before brushing teeth or just after brushing teeth before going to bed. And that's actually how I started building the habit when I decided, okay, I will commit to really journaling every day. Then I was actually putting my notebook and the pen on my pillow so that I would physically have to move those to go to bed. And even if I was too tired, to write something and I just moved my journal out of the way and crashed on the pillow, it still prompted me to think at least in the direction of those journal prompts I was using. So I would think on those reflection points that I would like to write down. And that helped me. Yeah, I wanted, I, I, I took a pause to remember why I changed in the morning, but now I re- realize it was in the summer last year. And so July, August, 2022, when I enrolled in some um, program with a psychologist and it was her who gave us a task of journaling every morning. And then suddenly I was trying to do it both morning and the evening and I realized that it's not working for me. It's just becoming a bit too much of commitment. So I went to just journaling in the morning to stick to her method uh, to see how the, the results would be for myself. And since then, now it's been eight, nine months that I've been doing it and it works well for me. So again, there is no right and wrong way. It's just, it's better done, you know, than perfect. So uh, do it the way that you feel most inspired to follow and be okay with changing your mind, just as I did, because the, conse- the, the context changed for me. I had some prompts that she wanted us to work on in the morning to prepare ourselves for the day and it worked for me. So I just, um, so far I'm sticking with that after nine, ten years or so of doing it in the evenings. And it can be good. It could change a bit which prompts you choose, I would say, depending on whether you do it in the morning, in the evening, or during the day. But again, this is something that you just need to experiment for yourself and find the way that is best for you. You can still be intentional in the evening when you are preparing for the night and you can directly prime yourself for the day after. You can be reflective of the previous day in the morning. So whatever works is okay. And how it works for me right now is that I, I need around one hour 15 for the prompts that I'm using for myself. And please don't get scared. It can be just two minutes for you. <laughs> it's just that I know the value of it for myself. And it, it has become a huge part of my daily routine to stay sane, to be a good mom, to be a loving wife and a good mind shifter for my clients and so on and so forth. I just am a big believer in journaling, helping me a lot with being a better version of myself. That's why I do invest so much time of my day into this. And sometimes my mornings don't allow me for those 75 minutes of journaling. 
And that's okay. I pick some things that I want to write down and get done and in thinking and getting out of my mind uh, in the morning. And the rest just comes during the day. So for example, I can journal a bit in the morning and then I have my family morning and get going for work and I work somewhere, for example, giving a workshop for a client. So I, I grab my journal and I maybe journal on the bus while going there or somewhere during the coffee breaks or whatever. Or after meeting with a, with a client, I could go to a cafe and sit down with a nice cup of coffee and continue my journaling and so on. So it just becomes a, an ongoing thing. And I don't beat up myself if I don't do it in one go. I don't beat myself up if I don't do all my daily uh, prompts on every damn day. It's really not about that. It's about having that habit, having that space for myself to process, to understand myself, to better myself, and so on. So again, with the timing of journaling, do it whenever it happens for you, wherever you can do it. And be okay with changing your mind and and adjusting and also spreading it out uh, throughout the day. The next thing I want to address is people feeling like they fail the habit when um, they skip a day or so. For me, it has been in the beginning, I, I would try and I would maybe do it for two weeks, a month, two months, three months, and then I would give up. And then I would feel like now it's all gone and now I need to build from uh, scratch the habit and so on. But the science shows that when you skip the days, the neural wiring is still there. It's, those connections are stronger. And yes, they don't continue getting stronger just because they already started getting stronger when you don't nurture that uh, connection building and uh, journal, continue journal. But just because you skipped a day or even a week does not mean that those neural connections are gone. Your brain is still wired the way how you've been wiring it. So please, please, please don't beat yourself up when you slip off the horse or fall off the horse, slip off and um, get off track. Get back on the horse, get back to on track and continue because the wiring is already there. The progress is already there. You're never picking up starting from zero. Even if it feels so, it's usually your perfectionist brain trying to tell you some stories. Just don't believe that bullshit and continue going. You've got it. Last thing that I thought of addressing is the fear of uh, getting things perfect or not, uh, rather, a fear of not getting things perfect. So I uh, have heard some people saying that it's difficult for them to journal because they don't want to leave their thoughts half-baked, so to say, on paper to be found by someone else. And some people mean maybe their partner, that they don't want just some someone else's eyes get on their um, journal and their thoughts, especially when they're just thinking out loud, so to say, on, onto paper and trying to process something. And it might be not true tomorrow for them, but they need to get it out to, to see how it looks and how it feels to see those words on the paper. Um, and uh, they are those people are afraid that that might uh, hurt their relationships if someone else finds the journal and reads through that. And then some other people are afraid because they feel like they want to leave a legacy and they're really building their life that way, that they uh, everything they create is of value long-term and can be valuable after they're gone. And they're afraid of leaving some kind of half-baked thoughts as part of their legacy. I 
understand the first part of that with being afraid of someone coming and reading your half-baked thoughts and hurting the relationship, there I would probably go, why would someone open your journal? And is it really a relationship built on trust that you are having there? And whether there is a bigger issue to address than someone um, being offended by you venting with your journal uh, or something like this. So there I would really go into that venue of see, of, of thinking and uh, questioning that um, objection of yours. My journals are always very visible uh, in my home. I just trust that people will not go in there. And if I do have happen to have someone super nosy in my circles, my husband couldn't care less. <laughs> I mean, he didn't, doesn't listen to my podcast. <laughs> Why would he read my journal? <laughs> And he knows I, I voice for him things that um, I, I, need, I need to voice and he needs to hear. So there we have total trust. But I've been thinking about it sometimes when we have some friends that staying over or whatever. If they open my journal, for me, it's like I do believe that my friends will not use my, my vulnerable moment of self-development against me anyhow. And if they do, then I will question the relationship and the authenticity of it and whether it's valuable for me. So this is the way I look at it. I'm not, again, saying there is a right or wrong way here. I'm just giving you some food for thought. If those have been your objections preventing you from starting to build this habit, think again and see whether you can find a way for yourself. Regarding the legacy part, the suggestion here, one of them would be to burn after reading, you know, <laughs> um, but not even reading. Usually I suggest not reread your journal. Just um, the value of it is the processing of writing your thoughts down, not about reading them through afterwards. So write and burn <laughs> is one of the ways of doing it. And given that my husband is not listening, I'll share a secret with you here. <laughs> I have done it a couple of times uh, at home in our flat here in Reykjavik. I would just take a metal bowl in which we cook sometimes, or like it's for preparations um, of things, and I would put it in the, our large sink in the kitchen under the tap, and I would put my uh, pieces of paper that I wanted to just get out of my system and not have to be reread by myself or anyone else. I burn them there. You can do that. <laughs> just make sure you're doing it in a very safe way so that you don't really... Uh, get into any accidents or create any emergencies please 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 make sure to be very responsible that way but yeah if that is what's stopping you that someone will read your thoughts please do do find a way of of creating something that uh, some way for yourself to do that without um, being compromised somehow or put in a vulnerable spot by someone else Again, I want to emphasize that the most important part is that you build that habit. And whatever takes, <laughs> whatever it takes for you to build that habit, then please, please, please do that. And if you have any more objections, just let them um, or share them with me and I'm more than happy to address them. If there'll be a lot of them, uh, then different from what I've um, voiced so far, then I might make a different, a second episode on this topic. But, um, Otherwise, I'll just be more than happy to reply to you in person to address your um, concerns or objections regarding this habit. And before I go into the last part of um, naming a couple of those prompts, I just want to explain what, what effect it has uh, given to me. I've touched upon it um, 
here and there throughout the episode so far. But the daily habit of journaling is really giving me the self-awareness of how I feel. And the interesting part for it from it is that I know that some people are super in tune with themselves and they just feel a huge difference of how their state, mental, emotional state are, is before and right after the journaling. I honestly do not feel that. It's not like black and white for me before I open my journal and once I'm done with the practice. For me, it's very subtle. And nowadays, I more notice the difference when I haven't done it for a couple of days because I become a much snappier person. I really easily get into the overwhelm and I'm a worse person, really. And sometimes my husband jokingly says about that, like, hey, maybe I, I take care of Maya or our daughter and you just go and journal and take some time to meditate. And he knows that once I get out of the bedroom, I'm a different person. Uh, so I really try to not uh, get there so that my husband needs to suggest me this um, way of caring for myself to take care of our daughter and so that I get this space for myself uh, and time to nurture uh, my, my well-being. Uh, but this is how I notice it nowadays. I really feel that, that this, this practice helps me shift my mind. and get into that more positive space, a clearer space. And as I said, I'm not rereading my uh, journal. Sometimes I do it like historically. I'm just taking, for example, the same date on last year or three years back and just comparing how I feel or uh, go down the memory lane on uh, what I've been going through then and just to not take my life and my progress for granted. But on a daily basis, I don't reread what I write. And the, process, the, pro, the value of the process is really in getting those thoughts out and getting, giving myself space to write them out instead of just rushing to the next thing and getting myself distracted from my true thoughts, my true feelings, my true emotions. So as I said in the beginning, it's a very life-changing habit for me. And it is very subtle, but not anyhow less powerful because of its subtleness. So I really hope that you'll try that and download the sheet that is linked in the show notes so that you can try different ones and and look for your own combination and uh, find the beauty in this process as well. So I'm looking at the list of those 15 prompts in the sheet and I'm thinking which ones should I go through right now. I will probably name a couple of them and, uh, and explain a couple of them that might be more difficult to get for people. For example, the one I want. I suggest here to list five dreams or wishes of yours, big or small, short or long-term girl um, goals, new ones or the ones that you've written down yesterday or the, or the day before and so on. The details don't matter. What this prompt does, for example, is getting you in a state of dreaming that really helps with action taken. I know it sounds far-fetched and a bit of woo-woo, but when we show our brain or remind our brain that we want stuff from this world, our brain starts looking for proof that it's possible for us, and our brain starts looking for the ways to bring that to life, meaning that even subconsciously we start choosing actions that are more aligned with our dreams and desires. 
So this is one of the prompts that shows that it's not a revolutionary. It's not like you will write something that you want and then whoops, and it's there. But you are programming your mind to pay attention to the things that you want in your life, to pay attention to the behaviors that you want to show and to bring to this world, and so on. Another problem that might be interesting for people or might be new for people is I'm grateful, and I quote, I'm grateful with a twist. So instead of writing what you're grateful for in your life, you're writing about your gratitude for the things that have not happened for you yet but that you want to happen. And it can be uh, for you, that you're grateful for someone to have it. For example, I'm just trying to come up with an example. I'm uh, grateful that my husband is training six time per, times per week. This is my goal. I absolutely would love to do that. I'm not at there right now. I'm more at four times average. Some weeks I do get five trainings, but almost never six trainings per week. And... Uh, by writing down that I'm grateful that he's doing it, I'm showing my brain that, that I'm giving my brain that reward of gratitude uh, for something that I, again, want to model in my life. I want to get to in my life. So we can be grateful f- to someone for showing us that our dreams and our wishes and desires are possible. That's another way of doing it or setting it. An important one here on the list as well is what did I do less well today and what's my learning? Why am I saying that's important one is for two reasons. First, if you're starting to journal, please do not take this one only. Um, It's so easy to just criticize ourselves and feed the inner critics that he becomes even louder within ourselves and we just doubt ourselves. Yes, it's good to learn from our behaviors, But first, you need to strengthen your inner cheerleading team before you start feeding this this inner critic with just seeing the things that you have done less well. And also, it's important if you do use this prompt, never end your journaling with this. End with something more positive, more constructive, more inspiring for yourself. So if you do include it in your practice, please use it in the beginning and then go for the other ones. Okay, let's take one more and then I will wrap up. A funny one, which may be quite frustrating in the beginning because it takes a bit of time, but I call it WhatsApp, and there's probably a better name for it, but that's how I refer to it. You write a dialogue, inner dialogue between you and you. Ideally, I would like you to use both of your hands uh, to engage both halves of your brain. So for example, you write, so you use the name, your name that feels comfortable and safe for you. For example, someone was calling, someone who you have more memories about, has been calling you like this when you were a kid. I've just taken Anna for myself. So I'm writing, how are you, Anna? And I'm writing it with my left hand because I'm left-handed. So for the dominant hand, you're using the interviewer, quote-unquote. And then you take the pen in the awkward hand hand of yours and you're writing the answer to the question, how are you? And then I take the pen back in my left hand and I'm asking the follow-up question. So what makes you feel this way right now, for example? Or why do you think this is affecting you so much? And so on and so forth. And then you just juggle that pen back and forth between the two hands. And I know it can be frustrating when you write with your awkward hand because it's so slow. But there is also also the intention of doing it so slowly because you get to process while you're writing. You get more time for yourself to reflect. 
So that's a very interesting practice. I'm definitely I'm not doing it on a daily basis, not even on a weekly basis. But when something is bothering me a lot, when I have this feeling of overwhelm and my daily practices have not helped me, this is one of the tools I go for and uh, use to get a bit deeper, get more creative, to hear myself, my inner self from a bit of a different angle. So it got to be a bit of a longer episode. I'm surprised my voice has survived so long. I'm grateful if you have listened this far and I really, really, really hope that you will give journaling a try an honest, longer try, because as I said, it's not a revolutionary habit change. It's something that takes a bit of uh, practice to build and a bit of practice to start noticing the results. But I guarantee that just as with yoga, that you notice that you are handling your life better when your body is more flexible, stronger, and so on, so is it with living a life and acting as that better version of yourself when you have done your practice on your self-development yoga mat, which is the journal. So let me know how it goes for you. If you have been doing journaling for years or for a longer period of time, let me know what your favorite prompts are. If you're new to this and you download the worksheet, let me know which ones are interesting for you. And as I said, if you feel that you're hitting any roadblock, please let me know. I'm here to support you uh, because I do believe that we, uh, we can live a healthier, more impactful and more intentional life that we enjoy more if we get to journal on a regular basis. Love you. Appreciate you. See you next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Genius Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button. Please rate, review, and share to help more people discover the show and become the better leaders. For more conversations about living in your zone of genius, connect with me on LinkedIn. Genius Leadership is an honors conversation about leading yourself and others, and it is my honor to be a guide in overcoming everything.